Hello and welcome to Altamar, where every other Friday we navigate together the high seas of global politics. I'm Peter Schechter. And I'm Mooney Jensen. Today we're tackling a topic that is controversial, fascinating, and making a ton of headlines around the world. We are talking about the quickly mainstreaming cannabis production and consumption chain, the regulation of the sector, the business boom it has created, and the global conversation it has instigated. So indeed, hopes for the cannabis industry are huge. It's expected to be a $300 billion industry in 10 years. Mooney, it's an industry indeed. I I think you've met my godson, Max Van Bragg. He was the first person to really make me understand the potential growth of the cannabis industry. He runs this exciting composting company, and he told me that composting has this enormous future, this growth it's looking at because of the cannabis industry. And so we're talking about the regularization of cannabis. But what is that regularization? What does regular mean? In some countries, it means full legalization. In others, it just means medical marijuana. In others yet, it means the decriminalization of personal use. Uruguay was the world's first country to legalize recreational marijuana. Then Canada followed suit. And now in the U.S., 35 states have legalized medical cannabis and 14 states have legalized cannabis for recreational use. But if you look around the world, 50 countries have legalized medical marijuana. And importantly, 2021 might just be cannabis's big year because Mexico's Supreme Court has scheduled a vote on the legalization of cannabis. And France, notoriously restrictive on cannabis, is starting an important medical cannabis trial, which has given Europeans optimism for the legalization of medical marijuana in the coming next few years. Peter, we will chat about France and also about the worldwide cannabis trends with our guest, Benjamin Alexandre Janroy, CEO of Augur Associates, a Paris-based consulting firm focused entirely on a sustainable and cutting-edge hemp and cannabis industry. A lot of changes happening in this industry, but before we wade further into the weed, I have some news for our listeners that I'm really excited about. So starting today, we will introduce Thea Ivanovich to Altamar to weigh in from a fresh perspective. Thea is a talented media and business rising star who is also currently the communications director at Immigrant Food, DC's first cause casual restaurant that fuses delicious global food with advocacy. I encourage you to go. Immigrant Food's delicious. She is also Peter Schechter's colleague. Taz spent time communicating policy at a DC think tank and financial matters at a financial PR firm. She was also the first Washington correspondent for Oslo Bedeña, Bosnia and Herzegovina's oldest newspaper and leading media outlet in the Balkans. At Altamar, she will provide her own original take on the topics that we discuss. We look forward to what I like to call Thea's take later in the show. Mooney, I'm really excited to see what Thea has to say about the topic at hand today. What's incredible to me is how fast public attitudes have shifted. It's, it's incredible. Think about it. One in three Americans now live in a state where recreational marijuana is legal. 66% of Americans support legalization. And a recent Pew study shows even larger majorities of millennials, Gen Xers, and baby boomers that all say that the use of marijuana should be legal. That's huge. And meanwhile, in Europe, Countries are scrambling to regulate, responding to pressures to ease restrictions and provide an outlet for a profitable business that seems to be going global. 
There's so many angles to consider, Peter, and there's a bit of controversy too. Already, Cannabis Companies has launched stocks allowing companies to accelerate growth, and needless to say, the tax revenue governments will derive from cannabis income will probably prove and have already proven too tempting to resist. So aside from the business revenue angle are the multiple pieces of the puzzle, medical, public policy, market, trade considerations, to name a few. Will the increased legalization of cannabis expand or hinder the spread of criminal organizations? That's a good question for uh, that I have as a Colombian. Will fears that cannabis is a gateway drug be drowned out by the flood of global, national, and regional initiatives to legalize cannabis? So a ton of questions remain, but what's clear is that this little plant, misunderstood, feared, rejected, glorified, has sparked a fascinating global conversation. Muni, let's also talk about the sub-issues. One of the main ones is the distinction between marijuana, which is the recreational drug containing THC, and CBD, its medical counterpart, that is now considered to be this cure-all elixir for chronic pain, inflammation, anxiety, and insomnia. Today, from creams to relaxation oils, you see tampons to dog food, CBDs everywhere. The market for THC and CBD are just taking off and sparking this enormous investment rush. But look, let's look at yet another angle that needs to be considered as we welcome our first Teos Take. Thank you, Peter and Mooney. I'm so excited to be joining Altamar. And Mooney, don't worry about the pronunciation of Oslovagenia. It's not an easy feat. Cannabis use is such a fascinating topic, and honestly, we couldn't be talking about it at a better time. I mean, in the last election alone, we had New Jersey, South Dakota, Montana, and Arizona going green, legalizing cannabis use. And New York right now is salivating over legalization this year, in part because tax revenue from cannabis sales could help its economy rebound. But I want to talk about a very important issue we millennials and Gen Zers are up in arms about when talking about legalization and decriminalization of cannabis, and it's the criminal justice system. Of course, in the last year, we talked a lot about the criminal justice system with Black Lives Matter, and also with cannabis, there's huge discrepancies and inequities. Marijuana use is fairly equally distributed in terms of use. So you have whites, blacks, Hispanics, the affluent, the poor using marijuana or cannabis at about the same rate. But, and it shouldn't come as a sad surprise, that the enforcement of marijuana laws are not equally distributed. So you have minorities and the poor are much more likely to be arrested for simple marijuana offenses. And nationally, African-Americans are about four times more likely than whites to be arrested for cannabis. And that disparity is even greater depending on where you live. So, for example, in Iowa or in Minnesota or right here in Washington, D.C., you have African-Americans eight times more likely to be arrested. But this isn't only an American problem. So much of the same happens with poorer immigrant communities in France, Germany and the U.K., Thank you, Thea. That was great food for thought. And we have even more questions for our guests. So let's invite him on. Benjamin Alexandre Roy is a former consultant for the UN Office on Drugs and Crime and co-founded Eco Citoyen, a think tank which focuses on drug policy reform, as well as leading the professional hemp union. Welcome to Altamar, Benjamin. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I'm very, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's start at the very beginning. What does your work consist of? I think it's an industry that few people know about. So if you can just describe your, your daily work. 
So the, the last line that you, you haven't mentioned on, on, my, on my resume is that I, I had a, a consulting firm called Augur Associates, which uh, we created about two years ago, and it's highly specialized on, on cannabis with a capital C market. Um, and so we're based in Paris, but we have operations a bit of all over the world. Uh, and our idea is really to be a one-stop shop for, for the industry, obviously for people looking to have operations in France and, and Europe, but also for, for people outside the continent that wish to bring European expertise uh, to their operations. So you said with a capital C, and you've advised us to use the word cannabis instead of marijuana when discussing the topic. As we're all learning about this, can you explain some of the terminology? Marijuana, weed, cannabis, uh, deregularization... Yeah, so there is a lot of uh, fancy words that that flow around, and it can it can be difficult to to figure out what's what. Um, so um, very basically, cannabis is the Latin name that represents the plant. Uh, so it's called ca- cannabis sativa L, um, and and this regroups lots of different varieties, uh, and we 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 tend to call varieties that have low THC percentage and are used for fibers and seeds hemp rather than cannabis when it's actually the same plant. Uh, and in France, you have a, a word for hemp, it's called chanvre, and chanvre is just the French name for cannabis. Um, so we do use cannabis because of the prohibition of the plant to, to separate it from industrial users. Um, so in itself, the name is, is as an important social symbol um, and, and if you differentiate it with marijuana, which is a, a very U.S.-centered uh, name uh, that is slowly disappearing in terms of, of use, but it's still called like this to differentiate it from, from hemp. So we, call, we, we, we talk about marijuana to, to speak about adult use or so-called recreational use. And that's something that is deeply rooted in the law that we have uh, that regulate cannabis and that we've had for, for decades, which prohibit the use, the production, the sale of that plant. And to finish on, on your question, so you have a lot of terms in terms of what we can do in terms of reform uh, of the slows. Um, so you have decriminalization and depenalization, which are synonym. And it's basically make, usually, it's usually make uh, the use and possession not a crime, not a penal offense anymore. And that can be translated into many different ways of applicating that, that, that decriminalization. For example, in Spain, it allows for the constitution of uh, nonprofit clubs uh, for, for different members to share uh, their products in a, in a nonprofit way. It can also allow you to grow uh, at home in a, in a limited number of plants, but you can also allow for, for people who are caught in the street with a, a limited number of, of, of amounts on them to just be, if they wish it, uh, if they wish it usually, to, you know, social personnel or health practitioners that can help if there is uh, a problem, which is not necessarily the case for each consumption. Benjamin, give us a sense of the size of this business and the size of the market. I mean, you know, some of these companies have even issued stocks and it just seems like a, a, a growing affair. What, what's, what are we talking about in terms of business size? So what's important is to understand is that behind the term cannabis, you have several markets. 
Uh, you have the industrial hemp uh, market. You have the CBD wellness that is mostly developing in Europe. Then you have the medical cannabis market, and then you have the adult use slash recreational market. All those markets uh, are intertwined, and some of the different actors partake in those different markets, but usually it's quite segmented because of regulation. Um, because of regulation in each country, the development of those markets is very different. So it's very difficult for a company to have the normal growth that you can expect in, in other uh, topics and, and markets. That's why Canada is in a pole, leading pole position right now because they have access uh, to some of the financial services that uh, the country allows them to have. And that's one of the biggest difference, for example, with U.S.-based companies that are limited to their states, uh, their respective states, and can't even operate in the whole United States, even less with other countries in the world. And that's basically a little bit the issue right now with most of the of the countries. So it has also good a good side that it allows local and regional actors to to grow uh, without having to be competitive too much with larger entities like in other other business. So the, the market is difficult to assess right now, uh, and it will be so in, in the future, I think, also. Let's talk a little bit about legalization. Canada and Uruguay were the first countries to legalize recreational cannabis. Now over 15 states in the United States, medical cannabis is legal in multiple countries around the world. Portugal has decriminalized all drugs. It, it seems like it's a patchwork, but what's it going to look like in five years? And and what are the main obstacles to legalization around the world? So one of the best way to, to know a little bit what's what ahead, it's to look back. So we've had the first legalization of cannabis happening in Uruguay and Colorado in 2013. So we're seven years after the first barrier has been, uh, has been broken and we've entered the, the spectrum of reality. And, and I don't think this trend uh, will, will stop. I think it will grow in most countries of the world, but at, at a very different pace. And I'll give you an example with, with Europe. We, we have countries that are thinking about legalization of cannabis, like Luxembourg, Switzerland, and the Netherlands. Then we have countries like France and Germany that have uh, programs or pilot programs in medical cannabis. Then you have Portugal and Spain that have different spectrum of decriminalization. Um, those are not bound to be unified in the near future. So the, what's going on in the, in the next five years is that you'll see a growing numbers of countries that are understanding that we need a more human based on science regulation. And that often starts with cannabis. Uh, but the second step is often decriminalizing all drugs, because we do know that, that prohibition is in itself the, the issue there. Um, and then you have many other openings, and I think a lot of people are interested in, in psychedelics and their therapeutic use, and that's also another entry in terms of drug policy reform. I think we'll see this trend uh, keep on. And for the biggest uh, obstacles, I think it's linked to, you know, more than 100 years of, of propagation of, of propaganda. Uh, you know, from, from, from prohibition actors, whether it's the state or scientists, uh, in, in itself. And, and we have a necessity to change our state of mind and how we look at those substances and their impact, 
uh, on our society. So that's probably the, the biggest with, you know, educating and destigmatization of, of those issues. So France is one candidate for this destigmatization. It's a country with the highest use of cannabis in Europe and yet remains illegal for both adult and medical uses. So France is now launching an important medical trial on the medical benefits of cannabis. Is France moving in that direction as well? So France is very exciting to be in right now because we are advancing kind of on those all three different markets at the same time. We, we're, we're finishing the regulation for CBD wellness. We started finally a pilot program, uh, which is going to be around 3,000 patients for two years. So it's, it's a drop in the sea in comparison to the needs, but it's the first foot on the, in the door. Uh, so that's quite groundbreaking. So I do think that we'll see in the next year a complete regulation for medical cannabis in France. And the third is probably the most exciting, as uh, you may know that we have a presidential election coming in the next year, in 2022. And let's say that some candidates are looking to, to find uh, topics that can help them balance their right and left. Um, and those actors could be the ones that are, you know, in pole positions to win the presidential in the next election. So I do think that we'll be surprised on the recreational attitudes market in France. And that could be spectacular because it's my deepest uh, belief that if we unlock France, we are, we'll be able to unlock the entire EU. So one of the main controversies that are slowing down this um, revolution revolves around it being a gateway drug. And the theory seems to have been disputed by many studies, but it is kind of the conventional wisdom in many countries. What are some of the medical considerations and concerns for the use of cannabis? So I think you've mentioned a very important thing is that despite countless uh, science proof and experiment and scientists telling us that this theory does not work and has no ground, it's still, it's still very much entrenched in the mind of, of many. And that shows that on this issue, we need to have the science, but we also need to speak to the hearts. And that's uh, probably best demonstrated by what's going on with medical cannabis. You can have the biggest conservator who look at cannabis and see the devil uh, be moved by one of their parents uh, having a relief that can change their life if they have a medical condition, for example. So this is often most, uh, most important in the debate is to humanize, uh, to show that different kind of people consume for different kind of reasons. Uh, and that if we're really serious about mitigating the risk of such consumption, we should focus very much on the ones that need our help. And, and these are what we call cons uh, problematic consumers and represent a very small percentage of, of global consumption. It doesn't mean that, that cannabis is without bad effect. It depends how you use it. Uh, it can be detrimental, uh, you know, if you're young. Uh, that's probably one of the, the, the biggest issue. And we do consider that by regulating this drug, we can... A low and decriminalization works for that also. If people come forward with their problem more easily, uh, if they're not being judged by what they've done, and obviously we can, like any regulated market, have a limitation for consumption and buying those those goods. So that's probably the, the the biggest issue right now that we need to work on. One of the things that I was wondering about Benjamin is that it seems like 
the increased legalization of cannabis is a growing threat to large pharmaceutical companies. And indeed, at least here in the United States, they've been lobbying Congress and the administration to slow down the legalization. What is the relationship uh, between those large companies and the increasing legalization of cannabis? Uh, you know, I think it's not a straight answer. Um, I'm, I'm usually not the one to, to go for too much conspiracy. And, and I do believe that, that the pharmaceutical industry has an impact, uh, but it's much more complex than what we, we tend to believe. Uh, here in Europe, we see a, a vast interest for, from big traditional uh, pharmaceutical companies that are looking at cannabis as a way to, 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 to make profit uh, in, in, in the public health dimension. And they do understand that it's something that is coming, and it's, it really depends on what those companies are basing their revenue off. You know, I imagine that companies that heavily uh, rely on, on opioids might, find, might have an issues uh, with that, but let's say that they don't really have the wind with them right now, and, and it's definitely something that they have it's it's difficult to publicly go against you know cannabis when like Purdue you've you've been condemned to to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in in damages. Um, so I, I I do think that a lot of people are seeing cannabis as an opportunity, whether they're in the pharmaceutical industry or not. And the ones that that are fighting uh, this trend, I I would re- have a certain sense of relativity uh, in that regard. I think the more cannabis is becoming mainstream, the more it will have to uh, answer and play by the rules that we've instituted in in our economic model. You know, it's going to be the way the, the game is set. So, if there is issues with with pharmaceutical companies lobbying against cannabis reform, it's probably because they have the possibility to do so that is problematic, rather than the very topic that they're battling against. We're, we're running out of time. It's fascinating discussion. On the, just very briefly on the regulatory side, where do you see the future in five years in terms of you know, labeling restrictions and trusting markets, weeding out the unserious players? Talk to us a little bit about that. So I, I think it's important to understand that this, this market is growing. And as long as we won't have very strict regulation and at least transparent regulation, we'll have as many bad apples that we can find in any other deregulated markets. So I don't think mar- cannabis in itself is the issue. What I would say in what I would like to see in the future is maybe to, to tackle a topic that we haven't seen is this question of social justice. Uh, cannabis is not a, a consumer good like any other. It has a, a social impact and a history that you cannot phantom if you go into that market. And that means recognizing that there has been harm being done to specific communities and, and actors and finding ways to integrate those actors will probably want, be one of the best way to root out, to weed out all the people that are not supposed to be there and not necessarily there for the right reasons. Benjamin Alexandre Jean Roy, thank you so much for joining us on Altamar today. Peter, as we were saying goodbye to our guest, he said something that I wish he had said on air, which was that cannabis is going to be a bigger industry than wine. And you have experience in the wine industry. Do you agree? Well, first of all, I thought that was an amazing thing coming from a Frenchman. I mean, that's truly revolutionary. That in itself. <laughs>
Look, I, I think the way he divided the markets, you know, between medical, recreational, CBD, and hemp is just a fascinating new way to see what we thought of as marijuana or weed is really major diversification and stratifications of markets that all come from the same plant. And so, I mean, he he's convinced me that this is a big thing and it's growing and it will continue to grow. And, you know, it clearly is that we're at just the beginning of this growth spurt. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for joining us on All Tomorrow. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Thank you.